Welcome to Fiery Discourse, your podcast for media featuring dragonesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar saurians and scalies. I'm, I'm your host, Lud Milanon, and with me are my co-hosts, Math Machine, Angron, and Lucky Eevee. Today is our 14th episode, and we're discussing 2019's How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. So, let's get things started. And another thing to note, we will also relatively be covering the Snoggletog log and the Christmas special Homecoming, so... Be sure to keep an ear out for those while we uh, do the stream. I love yep. us, 2019. Yep, yep, exactly. So, How to Train Your Dragon is DreamWorks' most serious franchise, and it definitely is one of their best. I actually read one of the books because for some reason they had it in my school library in secondary school, and I decided to read it. It was okay, but it was a little bit too... I know, too childish. Yeah. It, it it didn't Dang. really do as much with the concept as the movies did. This is yeah. one of the cases where a movie is way better than its source material. Way, yeah. way better the than the book. franchise is better than its own book series. That, How do that you do that? That is very rare from a book-to-movie adaptations. But yeah, uh, the third movie is usually the weakest in a movie trilogy, and that is no different for this one, because it is apparently very divisive amongst fans of the uh, franchise. Now, DreamWorks is a very strange studio, because they can make absolute classics like this series, or they can make stuff like Boss Baby or Trolls. So it's like, you get one or the other, it seems. Yeah. Though, I will defend Trolls just a little bit. It wasn't as bad as... Say Shark Tale. Good lord, nothing will ever be as bad as Shark Tale in terms of DreamWorks. But yeah, I I will admit that uh, Trolls had a few flaws here and there. Definitely, definitely. But yeah, so this movie it starts off really interesting because it shows Burke with the dragon and humans coexisting as almost a utopia. And it definitely is a concept that is so, that is fun, especially when compared to the last two movies. It feels like the natural evolution of where the second one ended off, basically. And one little... Uh, I have a couple of criticisms with this movie, and this is one of them. I feel like he could have actually shown the dragons and the humans coexisting a little bit more. I feel yeah. like that kind of got pushed to the sideline for what the main story was. Yeah, and, that's true. Yeah. And the interesting thing is that, of course, this uh, basically peaceful equilibrium is broken by the villain Grimmel. Now, it was not originally going to be Grimmel. Drago from the second movie was going to actually return for this one as the main villain, but they wrote him off. And normally that would be kind of a you know bad move, but I actually think that Grimmel is probably one of the better villains in the franchise. I mean, he is just... So imposing and so threatening. Maybe not as yeah. physically threatening as Drago from the second one, but his motivations and basically just everything about his character is really, really, I feel, makes him the best villain of the franchise. Yeah. He's- I also feel that, like, uh, yeah, honestly, he has the same uh, appeal as someone like, say, Jack Horner does. Like, 
he his motive for the most part is a little dubious, but honestly, you don't really need a motive to really do what you do. Like, I mean, granted, there is one like motive that you got from uh, freaking Grimmel, and that I just love the thrill of the hunt. And honestly, hunter uh, stereotypes like those definitely make it feel very. It definitely are uh, one of those underrated kinds of villains that make it feel very uh, edgy and very much uh, uh, in- intense sometimes. Uh, here, we do get that, honestly. This is arguably one of the most challenging villains uh, the-, the tribe of Burke have e- has ever had, the- had to face. And honestly, that leads into uh, the whole relative theme of the theme of the entire freaking uh, movie it's that sometimes you're not going to be able to protect them all you know exactly exactly that's an excellent excellent point right there yeah and like i say uh his performance as well with grimmel is very well done he's voiced by f murray abraham and every time and even though he's putting on a russian accent in this movie i can't help but think he's just salieri who's trying to kill mozart with dragons but yeah, as you were saying, uh, you made a very, very good point with the movie's message, and especially with its ending, which, of course, we'll get to later on in this uh, podcast episode, but it definitely, definitely led up to it. I feel like the movie, one, things that, one of the things that it did right was the story progressed in such a way to where it was a kind of what needed to happen ending, even though it wasn't the happiest sort. I feel like it was basically a good way for the trilogy as a whole to wrap up for yeah like the, uh, cinematic version even of it. though it kind of did undermine everything that the uh tv series ultimately did i mean we also i mean to be fair we have rescue riders and potentially uh we have uh the nine realms i have not seen it yet but uh yeah it, it's kind of a little sad that we didn't really get any representation from that either because i've heard a lot of good things about the shows and i've seen a few episodes of the show yeah definitely that that definitely is a missed opportunity i'll have to agree with you there but yeah like i said uh this movie in particular one of the of course it's dreamworks and dreamworks typically has fantastic animation but this movie is absolutely beautiful just like oh, the yeah. settings feel so alive they feel so lived in the various dragon designs are extremely well done and they i feel like they really pulled out all the stops with this movie definitely oh, yeah. they really really took this concept and if they felt like okay we're gonna make this be the last one of the movie trilogy let's make it the best one they did now with that being said i do have to admit i like how to drain your how to train your dragon too a little bit better than hidden world i feel like uh, compared to that, this movie is a little bit weaker, but yeah. it's not the movie's fault. It's still an excellent, excellent movie, and it's probably oh, yeah. one of the uh, bit better of the uh, DreamWorks movies in their whole catalog. But yeah, I definitely have to admit that this movie, like I say, it's a really good movie, but it's not without a little bit of flaws. And I feel like one of them is that the other Viking characters are kind of pushed to the sidelines a little bit. I mean, I granted, I understand why they did that, but compared to the aspects in like the previous films, I feel like for the most part, they didn't get as much screen time as they should have, considering this was kind of the theatrical send off for them. I mean, they obviously knew they were going to make the Christmas special, which we'll talk about, but 
I feel like for the final movie, they should have done a little bit more with them. Yeah, I really, yeah, I really wanted to see more of the hidden world. It looks so fantastic. It looked that's like true, a place that legit, uh, that like legit could have been explored more. Like something like say Area Zero from Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. It was so fascinating. Oh, by the way, spoilers for Scarlet and Violet on this one. Area Zero just looked so fascinating. A little samey, but it was diverse enough that it ultimately looked like something that I legit wanted to see explored a little bit more because oh my gosh it just looked amazing like yeah and it 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 circles back to the hidden world because the hidden world it it definitely looks like a draconic paradise all things considered they did an amazing job with it so it would have been a good excuse for uh toothless and uh Nublis slash Light Fury slash Akira slash whatever to uh, ultimately uh, bond a little more for Toothless to learn more about himself instead of like having it left up to freaking uh, imagination what happened and how Toothless ultimately became a proper Titan wing, you know? Exactly, exactly. But yeah, um, that's the other thing too with the Hidden World is that despite being in the title of the movie, it feels like that too is pushed a little bit, once again, to the sidelines, that it's not really focused on as much as it should be. And it's a shame because it looks beautiful. All the dragons in it are absolutely fantastic yeah. designs. I mean, if Smaug is like the greatest cinematic dragon you know, in, in film history, these guys are up there. These look incredible. But yeah, I just absolutely. Feel, you know, for, from a storytelling purpose, it, it feels like what this was it's almost like they had two movie ideas and they were like, oh, but we're not making How to Train Your Dragon 4, so let's try and mash all of these things into one movie. And it suffers a little bit as a result. Yeah. But I will say one thing, the action sequences at the end of the movie, like with the raid on the ship and that, and it, it, it is great. It is probably one of the best DreamWorks action sequences ever. It, it it's not as good as say like Last Wish, but Last Wish is just amazing in general. But oh, yeah. it is Last really is awesome. really good. I mean, it is so so. It really shows the amount of detail that they really put into it. I feel, you know, with this mm-hmm. movie in particular, it's like they do stuff like you know Boss Baby, so they can make movies like this. I would take ten thousand boss baby sequels if it gives us more movies like how to train your dragon franchise basically oh but, yeah you know, absolutely. it really really is incredible and speaking of dragons we're going to talk about the dragoness in this the light fury now the interesting yep. thing the first draft of the script didn't even have the light fury in it it was oh, actually dear. added in like a second draft in that and the thing that's really fascinating is DreamWorks had to invent new software to handle the lighting on the Light Fury. Oh, dear. It, it really shows because I, I, the Light Fury is so ethereal and beautiful. People might say, oh, it's just a female version of, like, Toothless, or, oh, it's a female, you know, light version of a Night Fury. But, no, I feel like that that's wrong. That's a misnomer because the Light Fury has so much personality and it, she has so much, basically, design and basically care put into how it looks and, you know, how her powers are in that, that I feel they did a excellent job with it. They did a fantastic, fantastic job with it. It really yeah. has 
you know, such a almost ethereal design compared to like the other dragons, yeah. basically, to where even it seems though, so otherworldly. Yeah, even though basically it, uh, even though okay, a little bit of a, a little bit of thing of a thing on her design, like it almost looks like it, there's very very subtle difference between the, the differences between her and toothless toothless has more of a uh, masculine build with uh, yeah he does have the bigger uh, paws at the end and acts uh, more wolf like as well as cat like nubless is just straight up a freaking <laughs> let's be fair and yeah, also, it's it. very much uh, noticeable in, like, her uh, forelegs and her hind legs that, basically, it looks very sleek and very slender. And also, another thing, she very much... Re it honestly uh, reminds me a little bit of Puss in Boots and uh, Kitty Softpaws and how they somewhat mirror Toothless and Nubless to a sort of extent. Because, like look at because like if you look back and forth between them i mean you got the eyes uh hiccup uh, no wait uh toothless and uh freaking uh puss's eyes are green and uh kitties and nubless are blue but uh yeah it, it pretty much like both of them th they both also have very interesting personalities that sort of overlap with each other if you really think about it yeah i definitely can see that from my uh thing for my, uh, basically how I felt, their uh, relationship really, for me, seemed a lot more like Wally and Eve's, basically. Yeah. It, that's what it really reminded me of the most. Not that it's a bad thing, because Wally is my favorite yeah. Pixar movie of all time, but it did seem a little bit like it. You know, like they, they basically watched Wally and were like, yes, let's do that, but Dragon. Not that there's <laughs> anything wrong with that, of course, because it Honestly, is. Honestly, there's a little difference. It is in between that and honestly the story structure definitely helps differentiate that from wally but yeah i i 100 see what you're talking about yeah and originally it's a shame because there were quite a bit of uh deleted parts of the film mostly with the light fury that definitely i feel would have enhanced the movie with her and basically her relationship with toothless in general originally the scene with toothless flying with the light fury went on for much longer and it actually showed them basically learning to bond with each other and falling in love whereas something that's only really implied or not so much implied but not done as much as it could have been and i feel like that is a missed opportunity because i don't know if this footage has surfaced anywhere i have not seen any deleted scenes so i would not be able to say but i feel like that is such a missed opportunity because I feel like, yes, it's an action movie. Yes, it's the finale of a trilogy and that. But at the end, of, at the heart of it, it's also trying to be a romance story. And don't get me wrong, the uh, courtship scene between Toothless and the Light Fury is hilarious and heartwarming and it is great. But I feel that in yeah. general, they didn't focus on it as much as they could have. Again, I'm not saying this is a bad movie at all. Far, far, far from it. This is still a very good movie, and it's a very good trilogy. Even, like, even the weakest in a trilogy, I feel, is definitely, definitely worth watching. Yeah. If I had to definitely. take a guess, it's because the movie was already over 100 minutes long, and DreamWorks is rather notorious for 
taking test screenings really seriously, that scene probably didn't test well with kids, and they shortened it because of that. I can definitely see that. Yeah, Jeffrey Katzenberg was definitely well known for that uh, because I remember he almost wanted to cut out, I believe, Kiss the Girl from Little Mermaid because it te- it had some poor test screenings, and Disney was like, no, keep it in. Are you crazy? But yeah, Jeffrey Katzenberg, he wasn't with DreamWorks by this time, but he was probably one of the more instrumental founders of it. And I could yeah. see them definitely using his philosophy in terms of trimming stuff out of movies and a lot of the times to it, not to its benefit, unfortunately, in this mm-hmm. case. And another thing that was cut out of it, which had uh, the Light Fury, was uh, you know, found in a cage aboard the Trapper's ship and she was straight released. And what happened is... Toothless was originally to burn the harness uh, that was muzzling her, and he literally sees himself in her reflection. So that was another mm-hmm. thing that I feel could have been a really nice touch to the movie. And again, they cut it out, probably for, you know, poor test screenings. Now, despite this, I feel that their relationship is very, very well done and is one of the highlights of the movie. And again, it really showcases how DreamWorks can, when they really, really put effort into it, when they're not doing stuff like Turbo or Trolls or Boss Baby, when they really knuckle down and put their minds and hearts to it, they can make great, great movies. And this is definitely an example of it. Yeah, this is definitely, yeah, this is definitely a good example. It also leads into the Christmas special because, after uh, everything that transpired, you know, the hunter pretty much trying to uh, take, pretty much trying to kidnap uh, both Toothless and uh, Light Light Fury and pretty much the entire dragon population of uh, Burke and pretty much realizing that they rely too much on dragons and also overpopulation, let's be fair. <laughs> like, holy fuck. That was fuck. definitely a problem with the beginning of the movie. But yeah, yeah. the ending is really... Uh, just getting back to the movie, just one second, then we'll talk about the uh, Christmas special a little bit. But the ending, I understand why it had to be done. It definitely, you know, was the logical end point to the series, basically. It was where it was probably going to always end up this way. Let's be real. Yeah. Still, it is really, like, when you watch it for the first time, it is like a punch in the gut. It is so, yeah. it's really tear-jerking because the humans realize we do not respect or deserve dragons whatsoever, and they basically have to live in the hidden world. And the in ending, order to survive, where, yeah, yeah, exactly to survive. And when Hiccup returns, you know, years later with his children to see Toothless, Toothless, does, Toothless doesn't even recognize him at first. He's ready to like attack him, and it's like that is just—I don't know. I don't know how you guys think, but to me, that is really, really sad. That is, yeah, like, it's sad. However. It does ultimately call back to the first film. And oh no, it, it works it, as like a full circle thing. I will admit that. Yeah, but it is it very really... much full circle. And it's very, yeah, but still, it's pretty sad that Toothless decides to do that to his homeboy because even though, like, uh, even though, like, they have that sort of like hidden agreement sort of thing going on, uh, like, and I get that Toothless wants to, like, protect the world. The tech protect the hidden world so nothing bad happens to it yeah like to his own friend that's that's definitely gotta be a little harsh not gonna definitely, lie definitely and 
But the overall ending with Hiccup and Astrid and their children meeting up with Toothless and Light Fury and their hatchlings is pretty sweet and adorable in its way. It's it's a bittersweet ending, basically, mm-hmm. because it it showcases that the movie basically ended. Listen this way. It, it does not have like a full on perfect utopia happy ending. And that's OK. That really showcases, though, how mature this movie and the, this franchise as a whole is and it really does work out for the best i think it really even though a lot of fans you know did not like this ending and you know it may be unsatisfactory it definitely was an ending that probably was needed more than not because yeah i feel like if they had just wrapped it up with like a you know cgi you know dance party or something people would have been annoyed with that because that wasn't what this this series was about so yeah, yeah this movie says i go ahead, go ahead sorry. yeah this movie definitely needed to end on a note that truly mattered and exactly. that also brings us to the christmas special because yep. good lordy the christmas special first yep. time i light saw it, it was it. yes light fury does in fact show up to it and she shows to be a very capable mama and toothless a very capable dad so props to the creators for doing that 100 yeah. percent. anyways so this is yeah. basically the uh, finale of the entire franchise the uh, christmas special by the way i just want until to the nine re- there. until yeah. the nine realms comes along and until yeah, like yeah. rescue rider comes up but anyways but anyways so you ba- so yeah so basically uh the whole gist of that short was uh Hiccup wanted to make a uh, vi- wanted to make a uh, pageant or a sort of play where like that was giving ode to both stoic as well as uh, as well as how uh, humans and dragons were uh, got along basically, so that his daughter could not like go on a whole dragon killing frenzy because she saw the very outdated and very Ugh, very tasteless original uh, dragon manual that was made in the days of Oldberg. Let's be fair. <laughs> Holy crap. Right, that that oh, was man. one of the moments of the movie that definitely, you know, probably some of the funny parts of the special, rather. Sorry about that. But yeah, no, no, it definitely... Yeah. It was a cute special. It It's... Listen, wait, for a tie-in special, a tie-in Christmas special, it, it, it they did a really good job with it. The, uh... Basically, the baby, uh, I guess we'll call them the baby night furies. Are the night adorable. lights. Call them the night lights. That's a good name. We'll call them that. The night lights. That's great. That's yeah, great. the night light furies. Yeah, they, are, they are completely, they are adorable. They are way cuter than Shrek's kids. I'm just putting this out there right now. They are way, way cuter than Shrek's baby ogres. Let's be real. Yeah, absolutely. And also a really clever touch with one of the with one of the night lights, the one with blue eyes and uh, a more balance between black and white on him. He's basically he's basically smart. He's basically more open to humans. He's based he's basically the dragon that would appear in Dragons the Nine Realms, and it's a very very subtle way of showing that he's very much open to humans and. Honestly, I would need to watch more of the show and see where that goes, but that is some very clever development on the on the part of DreamWorks. Let's be fair. Oh, also, definitely. Also, oh man, the parts with them are so adorable and hilarious. Let's be fair. Yeah, also, they, they did a good job with them. If if you have to add 
like little kids to a franchise, like you know, like kind of like how again Shrek with the Ogre Babies, and that this Christmas special really showcases the really best way you could do it. Mm-hmm. And the Yule and the Snuggle Talk log, but that doesn't that's have Nublus in it, so. And that's basically literally just like a Yule log, so. It's yeah, it's really a Yule not log. Really, not to talk about with it. I mean, it, it's. I like, mean, it's very funny. It has a. It has some. It has some charm to it. It gives a character where characters do. It's. It has a very funny payoff that I recommend you go see. But yeah, oh man. Yeah. In any case, I will also say this. In any case, I will also say this, like, when they get caught by the parents, it's just really adorable, and it's also very adorable that they themselves take the time to see the, uh, freaking, uh, pageant go on, and it's also a very nice touch that Toothless actually helps out Hiccup in his time of need, and also gets to, and also gets to interact a little bit with, uh, the kid, with, exactly. well, Hiccup's daughter, and that's, that's a very that nice touch. Exactly, I'm also exactly. Very, and that's another thing, really. I'm really happy that uh, Nublis slash Light Fury slash Hakura came around. She, uh, yeah, it really wouldn't have worked if she was, like, still hesitant and all, like, mm, I still hate you and whatnot. It, it, it honestly feels like that one scene from Life of Pi where the tiger doesn't really turn around. It just, like, looks into the forest. Like, it doesn't growl. It doesn't do anything. It just goes off and does its own thing, but it doesn't really, like, end anything that was established in the movie, you know? Exactly, exactly. That is exactly right. And, again, it really is, like, the perfect cap-off. Let's just say, not to, not so much to the franchise, but let's just say for, like, a hiccup story, basically. It really is probably one of the, like, perfect ways it could cap it off. It, yeah. it almost feels like it's correction for... How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World's ending. It was like something that they did to try and not so much rectify, but soften the the uh, emotional impact a little bit. Not Make that it's it better, happy. basically. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, uh, back to uh, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World for a, a minute. Uh, this movie was nominated for Best Animated Feature, but lost to Toy Story 4, which, which stinks because I really, really truthfully do not like toy story 4 toy story 4 in the words of forky is trash it is trash i mean i i'm sorry it is it is the probably my least favorite pixar movie not so much for you know the animation of the characters but just what it did for the franchise as a whole if yeah dragon the hidden world was like the perfect way to cap off a franchise Toy Story 4 was the worst. I am sorry. In yeah. no universe would Woody ever, in a billion, million years, he would never leave Buzz Lightyear and all his friends. He okay. would never do that, I feel. Slight defense in that movie's favor. I will say two things about it that are positive. One... The villain isn't exactly a villain. She gets what she wants. She doesn't do anything underhanded to, like, really throw the hero under the bus. She doesn't throw Woody under the bus. She gets what she wants. And honestly, by the end, we feel for her. So that's one thing going for her. I, will um, say that. I mean, that, other that than Duke well Kaboom. The second thing, I mean, granted, the movie ultimately built up that Woody was ultimately getting sidelined a little too much and that Bonnie was, like, kind of growing out of like woody a little bit i mean 
Sure, she like. I mean, sure, she still keeps him. Like I do. Like a lot of people do a toy that they don't really play anymore, but they really like. But yeah, to Woody, that just feels like. That honestly feels like it. Honestly, felt like it was time for him to like, maybe find something, you know, more active for him to do. I mean, granted, he is a pretty solid leader, and it would have been. It would have been nice if the movie decided to have Bonnie be like, hey, where's Woody? And all that, but... That would have been hilarious. That would have been like... If, if they had like an end credit scene where that happened, I, I would have laughed so hard. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. If they also could have... Like, yeah, it also could have been a chance to have a real tearjerker for like uh, Bonnie to, to like find Woody and like really hold him tight and realize, hey, maybe I'm taking him for granted just a little exactly. bit, you know? That's so, what I feel the movie should have been. That, I'm going to be honest, that is what I personally yeah. felt the movie, how it should have been. And I wonder if Toy Story 5 will rectify that because they are making a Toy Story 5. So we'll have to see what they do with that because, let's be honest, they're going to find a way to put Buzz Lightyear in there because people like Buzz Lightyear and yeah. not the Chris Evans ones either. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I I liked Light. I honestly liked Lightyear a lot more than Toy Story Four. It's not perfect, but Lightyear did in fact have a lot of things going for it. Right. No, like, I, I can see why. I can see why. Yeah. It's definitely was something new. But yeah, getting back to uh, How to Train Your Dragon: The Hidden World. Yeah. Um, the thing is that DreamWorks, they, like I said, they knew where to end the franchise. They knew where to stop <laughs> it. They knew basically when to say enough was enough. But it is such a shame. We did not get a How to Train Your Dragon movie with, like, bad guys or Puss in Boots Last Wish level animation. I mean, yeah. just imagine the possibilities you could have done with that. You could yeah, have I gone... Mean, to be fair, it didn't necessarily happen yet. I mean, they were still, like, trying to work out some things. And, like, to be, on and to be honest, like, I don't think they had the thing, like, made yet. No, but, no, maybe not, yeah. but it feels like it's a missed opportunity. That, yeah, it's like, a missed opportunity for if, sure. If they all make one like with this animation style, it definitely seems you know, almost like a missed opportunity because just imagining how they could do like almost like the flying sequences with that level of quality in it would be just it would be just amazing. But not to oh, say yeah. that these aren't great because they are still fantastic movies. And speaking of uh, DreamWorks and movies. Uh, after the two fantastic movies they just put out, which are Bad Guys and Puss in Boots Last Wish, oh, yeah. which are two of the uh, probably best animated features of 2022, although for me, Del Toro's Pinocchio is my favorite. Mm. Their next movie is going to be Trolls 3. Uh, what? Oh, wait. Ruby Gilman comes after that. Never mind. Yeah, before that. Yeah. Oh, oh right there. Oh, before? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I misread my notes. Whoops. Okay, yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Doi. I uh, forget that. But yeah, uh, I was going to make a joke about singing Kill My Grandma, okay? But yeah, now I can't. <laughs> That's <laughs> um, fair. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. But yeah, Ruby Gilman. Yeah, right, right. That does look like a fun movie. I'm hoping yeah. it'll be a good time. And I'll, I'll get, I'm giving it, you know, hope, hopefully, you know, the problem is when you do so many good stuff like that, it's kind of like the problem that I feel Pixar had in the 2000s after, like, you know, Toy Story 3. Uh, I feel like, now this is, some, again, my personal opinion, and I'll probably talk more about this when we do the episode on The Good Dinosaur, but 
Cars 2, I like Cars 2. Cars 2 is a great is a is a fun time. It's a fun movie. It's, it's nice made her tell the movie does. and try not it's to fun. think it's about fun. it too hard aside from and that. And it's funny, but I feel like the problem was is after Pixar had really such an amazing run of like hit after hit after hit after hit, eventually they were going to hit one that stumbles a bit. And I'm kind of afraid that's going to happen with DreamWorks where they're going to have like mm-hmm. hit after hit after hit and then they're going to stumble and everyone's going to be like, oh, well, they're not good anymore. And it's a shame that people are like that because I feel like a studio's catalog shouldn't be compared to each other. That's just how I personally feel about it, you know? That you should just take each movie as its own thing, you know, whether it's, you know, better than the last or worse than the last, shouldn't matter. Just be happy that they're still making it and you have them and that they're still making, you know, animated movies, whether, you know, they're ones that you like or they're ones like Boss Baby. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, unfortunately, every studio needs their we need to make money movie. The Trolls franchise is absolutely that for DreamWorks. Yeah. Even though some moments where honestly there are honestly some moments in the Trolls franchise where I do feel like they at least knew what they were doing in that regard. Not just like in the terms of money making. They had a fun thing with the animation style and the color palette, but yeah, it definitely is like we need to make money, the franchise, which Again, for like Pixar would be Cars, for Disney it would be Frozen, and well, everyone basically has that. So now it is time for the uh, question of the week, which is, uh, what movie trilogy is your favorite and why? Mm. And I'm going to say for my thing, like the trilogy that is probably the most perfect of them, like there is not a way any of them can be improved. They all flow with each other well. They all, like, work with each other well. There's a couple of little things from movie to movie, and maybe some aspects haven't aged the best. But for my personal thing, I feel like the best, probably most perfect trilogy is the Back to the Future trilogy. Because all three of those movies, they are made with such level of care and such level of precision. And, of course, they film two and three back to back, which always helps, I feel, with the movie. And it's probably a tie between that and the Middle Earth movies, because I'm probably one of the, you know, 20 people in the world that like the Hobbit movies almost as much as I like the uh, Lord of the Ring trilogy. But Same I feel here. like as a whole, uh, the Middle Earth movies are like Back to the Future. They're one of the trilogies that are just so meticulous. They are so well done that they are movies that I literally walk, can watch year after year after year, and I would never get sick of them because there's always... Mm some level of detail there's some line delivery or there's some basically act part of the action sequence that you never noticed before and i definitely feel that's the best thing for a movie trilogy that it 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 has to be not just like rewatchable or not have like one be lesser quality than the other but for my thing it is you know the rewatchability and the amount of enjoyment in each installment definitely definitely helps out with it Oh yeah, so, absolutely. And Ron, what would you have to say? Uh, that is a bit of a tricky dicky, to be honest. I want to say the Lord of the Rings and the uh, Hobbit trilogy as well, but I feel there are others that could definitely do it just a bit more. And personally, I want to say the Avengers are 
easily the uh, big are easily the most flawless trilogy. Hear hear me out on this one though, because uh, yeah, it's technically four parts, but I choose to see Endgame and. Uh... Okay, wait, no, God, whatever. That's you know okay. what? That's okay. That's a good time. You know what? Uh, I let me see here. What is another good trilogy that I find flawless? Uh, well, it's one that you really, really enjoy. Let's say that. Oh yeah, that I really, really enjoy. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna cheat a little bit and say the Avengers, because like, I personally think Endgame is weaker than Infinity War. Hot take there. Uh, wait, no, no, no. Actually, the Captain America trilogy. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I like Iron Man. But holy hell, the Captain America trilogy has been consistently like amazing to me. The first Avenger is better than the first than, than the 1990 Captain America. The the Winter Soldier just felt so fucking fucking amazing. Let's be fair. And oh my gosh, uh, Civil War. I mean, I like the comic more than the movie. Hot take there again. But holy hell. That that movie honestly had a lot of fun, and it was the first to introduce Spider-Man. So, mad props to it for doing near the impossible. Let's be fair. Exactly, I can definitely see that. So, uh, Math Machine, what would you have to say? I'm a uh, giant Tolkien nerd, so I wouldn't uh, be doing myself justice if I didn't mention the Lord of the Rings. But as a huge animation buff, I actually gotta go the the Toy Story trilogy. Oh, nice, nice. It, nice. especially because it ended perfectly. Thank you for, and <laughs> it's just like one of the greatest animated trilogies, if not the greatest animated trilogy ever made, and it just worked great for how it was. Yep, that is very true. Definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah, I definitely have to agree with you with Toy Story that. Toy Story 3 was the logical endpoint, and I feel like what they should have done is they probably could have just kept making on those short films that they did. You know, yeah. the one with Buzz and the fast food toys, the one with, you know, Ken and Barbie, you know, pretending they're having a Hawaiian vacation in Bonnie's house. The one with, you party know, them going Rex. to the motel, and it's like, yeah, Party Source Rex. The one where they go in the motel and it's like a horror movie parody. Oh, yeah. Definitely and the Christmas world. one with the dinosaurs. That one was fun, too, but it's like those were so perfect. It's like you, you didn't need to make a movie. You didn't need to make a Toy Story 4. You could have just made, like, little short films in that till the end of time, basically. But, oh, yeah, yeah, but money. No, they didn't. Exactly. Money. Yeah. <laughs> but so, money, uh, money, 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 dollar, dollar. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and Gron, what would you have to say? I oh, know. Anyway, sorry. A lucky Evie, rather. <laughs> I haven't actually watched any trilogies. Okay. At least all, at least all the way through. Uh, of the ones that you I, have seen uh, pieces and you know parts of, which would you say is your favorite in that case? I think the only trilogy I've actually seen was Big Old Trilogy when I was like five. Oh, nothing wrong with that. But I think I, one day I might so I might just watch the Sino trilogy. I can mm. see that. I can definitely yeah. see that. Sino trilogy uh, has a very has very solid moments. Let's be fair. 
Like, this is the yeah. moment that introduced uh, divine deities like Palkia, Dialga, Arceus, and freaking, you know, Giratina. So, that's definitely something to consider. This was also the era that had Heart Gold and Soul Silver and Platinum. So, you're in for a time, buddy. Yeah, I, I, I think I have manga of two of the children. Mmm. Nice. I think the I think I don't have the duo of life. I see. But I I have a wise dog flying and guillotine in the sky warrior. Yeah, I definitely can see that. It, it sounds like it'd be a good time. So now it is time for the patent pending dragonist scale, and we're going to talk about the light fury. Now the way we're going to do this one is a little bit interesting because I'm going to review her. Probably first based on the How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. And then I might do it also taking into consideration the Christmas special. Mm. So if I was to rank her just based on a Hidden World and basically the movie as a whole, I would give her an 8 out of 10. Mm. Pretty high score, I know. But I feel like, number one, the design is extremely well done. The romantic relationship, although, again, it could have been explored a lot, lot more. I feel like it, it was still strong enough to where I could actually give it that level of a high rating, basically. Her relationship with Tootless is good. Her relationship with basically Hiccup and how it changes through throughout the film is good. And I feel that overall, it definitely worked out for the best. You know, I feel like it, you know, for a character introduced in the, you know, final installment of a trilogy, definitely she is excellent. Now, if we were to add the Christmas special into consideration, that rating would be bumped up to a 9 out of 10. I can't give her a perfect 10. It, it feels, you know, weird for me to say that. I cannot give it a perfect 10. But I feel like, like Angron said earlier, that the Christmas special was well done enough to the point where, you know, how it basically showed her personality changing and how she basically learned to, you know, accept things that it really uh, boosted up in my opinion. That is why if I wasn't taking, you know, basically her in the movie, it'd be an 8 out of 10. That combined with the uh, holiday special Homecoming would be a 9 out of 10. And Ron, mm. what would you have to say? I would be a little mm. less generous if we were going separate. Uh, if we were going separate things for the movie alone, I would give her a seven out of ten because the initial hostilities kind of dampen her down a bit. The design's great, and she later ultimately comes around. But yeah, mm. I do agree that she ultimately does. Uh, that uh, yeah, she ultimately is a very unique thing, despite just being a technical toothless clone. Uh, and I will also, and as for the holiday special, I would say an 8 out of 10, because, like, she definitely does have some of the parent, of the parent tropes, uh, floating around, but not enough to really say that she was a bad character in that one. Overall, however, I would definitely have to say an 8 out of 10, because, yeah, she definitely turns around, and it definitely shows in the Christmas special, and it also shows in the movie near the end. I definitely can see that. Yeah, that definitely is a thing. So let me just add that there. 8 out of 10. Okay, uh, Math Machine, what would you have to say? Uh, I'd say an 8 uh, across both. Okay. I I do like her design, 
It's not a toothless clone. I've never understood why people uh, just say that that's the case. You can see in her modeling, she is a lot smoother, whereas toothless has the the the, the bumps, the scales that you can see when they're up close. Uh, she she looks a lot uh, smoother, cleaner, and acts more yeah. regal. Than Toothless. While Toothless is just the goofy dork, effectively, she presents as very sophisticated. And I, I really like that personality difference between the two of them. My reason for an eight is unfortunately, they just don't give her quite enough to do. It's still the Toothless show. They don't give her enough to really be herself. She is just toothless's girlfriend wife whatever and they just didn't give her they 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 tried to do that in the christmas special but it just didn't feel like enough still you know Mm, i I can see that yeah so uh lucky evie or do you have to say i'd say six in general because i literally did not know the christmas special existed until this up until now okay nothing wrong with that so that's a pretty good score overall. If you have any questions or if you want to do the courtship dance with the Light Fury, yeah. you can email us at fieryDiscourse at outlook.com or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash fieryDiscourse. Next time, we'll be talking about the 1991 movie Freddy as FRO7. Until oh, then, yeah. take care. That's going to be one of the uh, weirdest movies we've covered on this show yet. And it's going to be a real fun time to talk about. Uh, yeah, that's for sure. Well, by a mile. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, peace, y'all. Adios. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.